This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We need a dementia strategy. Advocates and some politicians have been telling us this for years. But Canada is the only G7 country without one. Here in Ontario, 200,000 people live with dementia, and that number is expected to double in the next 20 years. Now, in terms of the cost, in the United States, Alzheimer's has surpassed cancer and heart disease as the costliest disease to manage. And here in Canada, those numbers are set to explode as well. That's why the Ontario Alzheimer's Society has launched a campaign asking for your support to get a dementia strategy fully funded in the next provincial budget. CARP is going to be participating in that campaign as well. And I am here with David Harvey, Chief of Public Policy and Program Initiatives at the Alzheimer's Society. And we also have Mary Beth Whiten, who is the chair of the Ontario Dementia Advisory Group, and she is herself living with dementia. Hello to both of you, Mary and David. Hello, Libby. Thanks for Hi, the Libby. opportunity. Okay. So uh, let's start with you, Mary. Uh, from your perspective, your person uh, who is living with this disease, why are, do you want people to get involved with this campaign? Well, it's uh, first of all, this is the time. This is when we're doing the budget, and um, so it couldn't be more critical than for people to be engaged um, with the Ontario Dementia Strategy. Yes. And uh, how do you think it would help people like you? Oh, there's a, there's a long list of it. When, there's so many. Right now, I'm 50 years old. Wow. And there is so little information around young onset um, that we have to start to educate people even more than what the Alzheimer's Society has already done. We really have to take it to the next level. And this means addressing stigma because uh, usually when people look at me, they'll say, well, you can't have dementia. You don't look like you have dementia. And so there's so much stigma around this that with a plan, it can address both the stigma. It can, um, it can really help in the education of smaller and larger communities to recognize and learn how to assist those with dementia, um, whether that be at the doctor's office, uh, at church, at school, whatever that may be. But that movement towards dementia-friendly communities is so critical right now. And dementia is a disability in, 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 you know, in and itself. And I, don't, I, I think we need to do more education around that because many people don't necessarily think of it as a disability, but it certainly is. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Uh, I think that if anything is going to uh, erase some stigma and, and show people that, you know, it's, it's not like an immediate 
sentence that that people can still function uh, for a long time, especially if they're diagnosed early and there are some interventions. So thank you so much for that, Mary Beth. Let's go to David now. Uh, David, can you give us some idea, first of all, what are you looking for from the government in terms of a fully funded strategy? And and why are you doing – do you want to do this through the province as opposed to a national strategy? Sure. Okay. So we've been working now with the Ontario government for the last uh, three years almost on the development of a strategy. And we've got certain ideas that we want to get uh, put forward. Mary – Pardon me. Mary Beth has already mentioned one of them, which is dementia-friendly communities, and that's aimed at really three things. One, and and also you kind of referenced the theme as well, and that is to help people live well with dementia. We used to think, and not very long ago, that it was really uh, as as. Uh, People have said, their doctor would say that they've got dementia, you better go home and put your affairs in order. So it's that kind of attitude that we're really struggling to change. And that is where people have years of life left, and the idea is to help them live those years as satisfactorily as possible. So creating uh, dementia-friendly communities where people are informed, uh, of how to support a person with dementia, where a person with dementia has got the tools available to help them live fully. And all, and so what we're talking about are exercise programs, prevention programs. We know that uh, physical exercise can help moderate the course of the disease. So people, even after they're diagnosed, can live more healthily. The other thing that we want to do is to work with primary care physicians and others so that when people are diagnosed with the disease, that they have access to a program that we offer at the Alzheimer's Society referred to as First Link. So our goal is every person diagnosed has a referral to the First Link program. So you obviously need to grow the program right. to do that. That's so right. how much money are you looking for? Well, our we're looking for a relatively modest amount. We're thinking in the area of about $7 million for the dementia-friendly communities and for the First Link program. But there are other areas. Respite is one of the significant Oh, that's areas. huge. I, I know people uh, who are caregivers for spouses with dementia and um, you know they care for them uh, these people are heroes you know they care exactly. for them at home and they're in terrible shape and they're also really reluctant to leave the house exactly so there's yeah. a lot there's issues around uh, caregiving that we need to address not only in terms of adding money to the system but using our existing resources in a way that gives more control and more flexibility to caregivers. Right now, it almost feels that caregivers are doled out modest amounts of support. And really what we need to be doing is asking caregivers what they need, not what the care recipient needs, but what the caregiver needs, and then beginning to reorient the system towards the needs of caregivers. Our feeling is that people manage with the least amount of support available and necessary, and that they'll continue to do that. People have a, a sense of self-respect that they can yeah. do it uh, best they can, and what we need to do is to kind of just augment that care. And But you know what? Often people, they don't understand how 
how afraid they are themselves. Well, that's right. And that's part of the care, the uh, First Link program is to educate caregivers not only about the needs of their the person with the disease, but also about their own needs and their own limitations and uh, then where they can go for help. Um, Mary Beth, do you have a caregiver now? Well, um, we don't use the, use the word caregiver because okay. it, it puts a lot of... Um, Let's say, what's the word? Puts a lot of uh, ability on the person who is uh, working with you. So we like to use the word care partner. Okay. And it's actually it's a it's noted um, internationally as care partner. And I do have a care partner, and uh, her name is Dawn. She's my partner of fifteen years. Mm-hmm. And um, you know what? She does a bang up job. She does whatever she can to help me live well with dementia. But I, I, you know, one of the areas that I, I'm hoping to drive this conversation, it's not just about the care partner, it's also about that person with, living with dementia. And so when we start to talk about budget dollars, and um, David mentioned it earlier, which is it's really focusing in on getting people to live the best way that they possibly can as soon as they're diagnosed. And so the better educated people with dementia are about their own illness, including health and diet, et cetera, um, using things like rehabilitation, which is really not a word that we use with dementia, and yet it's our right as a person living with a disease. And so there's things that we can do now for that person with living with dementia that will offset the stressors for the care partner. And that's where those, um, you know, we're, we're hoping that some of those dollars will also be allocated towards. Okay, David, again, uh, I know they're working on this at the federal level. So what's the difference? Uh, is it that you would use your provincial dollars differently? I know at the federal level, it, that would incorporate research and things like that. Yes, yes, that's a good question. So the way that the Canadian Federation works is that health care is a responsibility of the province. So most of the work that goes on in the field of uh, dementia support is in the health care system. And so that's really within the jurisdiction of the provincial governments. A national strategy, though, can help in some specific ways in terms of offering incentives to provinces to do certain things in certain ways. So, for example, at the moment, there's a debate around the health accord and the use of federal transfer. And the federal government is uh, offering incentives related to mental health and home care. Yep. So these are ways in which the feds can help incentive provinces to change some of the way they do things. The other thing is to create research opportunities that would um, identify innovations in one province and perhaps extend those innovations to other provinces. Is that a problem now? I mean, in most fields, innovations around the world, uh, you know, get transferred from one place to another pretty quickly. It's a real, it's a real problem in healthcare. That, that kind of innovation doesn't uh, transfer very easily within the healthcare system because some of the rigidities 
around funding, for example, that mm-hmm. might uh, cause a province to say, These, this is the way we're going to do things, and that really discourages innovation. So we need to create ways, and that even happens within Ontario, for example, where work might be going on within one part of the province that's not easily transferred to another part of the province. Like what kind of work? Well, an example would be around respite, for example. So there's a terrific program. It's called the SMILE program that developed in southeastern Ontario, but it hasn't been replicated in other parts of the province. And that's our proposal around respite is not just to add more money, but to identify the best and to make it available everywhere. Yeah, it's, it's, I find it very interesting that when it comes to health care, really the answer all through the system is not necessarily more money. You have to reorganize it and, and perhaps get rid of a few layers of bureaucracy as well. Or rigidity. R- yeah, okay. yeah. Whether that's uh, rigidity within a discipline or perhaps sometimes people can very be parochial in their thinking and kind of get rid of that parochial thinking. Okay, so Mary Beth, what do you want people who are listening to do? Um, the Alzheimer's Society of Ontario has made it very easy for us to uh, go to a, their website. Um, I th- David, help me out here, dementia... Actionfordementia.ca. Okay. So uh, I'm hoping that we can get as many listeners as we can to go to that site. And from there, it's very easy to send an email to your MPP. And it's just a matter of, I think, four steps, and it'll take you about a minute. And um, with this, we're calling for um, budget support, proper budget support to... Um, for the Ontario Dementia Strategy. So that's the number one most important thing. Okay. And, uh, uh, David, just uh, clarify for me, have you made a pre-budget submission? Yes, we have. Yes, we've been working very closely with government. I want to commend the Premier. A lot of this work was done as a result of her Uh, including this in what was called the mandate letter to the Minister of Health. So she has provided real leadership there. We hope that that leadership will be reflected in the budget in the spring. So our focus now is to create a uh, uh, support for that inclusion of dementia in the spring budget. We worked in the fall uh, through our actionfordementia.ca website, and we were able to... uh, have more than 3,000 people interact with the ministry to tell the ministry what they think needs to be included in the strategy. So the next step is to get some funds behind that. We're very encouraged by the government, but there's competition for dollars. No kidding. So we've uh, we've now started this uh, second phase of the campaign. We're encouraged, we're very encouraged that CARP has come on board, and we're looking forward to... Uh, you know, working with them over the next uh, month or so to try and build up that uh, message to the members of the legislature to ask the Premier and the Minister of Finance for uh, adequate funding for dementia. Now, you mentioned competition just this morning. I keep looking at the monitor, and there is the health minister, and he's announcing measures for mental health, which is one of the areas that that the federal government is, is interested in. So... Um, 
does that worry you if he's if he's throwing a bunch at that or is 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 the cause of a dementia strategy going to suffer i mean as you said competition for dollars yeah. Well, uh, two things, uh, Libby. We're looking forward to next year's budget, and I expect the ministers making an announcements that were included in this year's budget. Uh, but mental health is an important aspect of dementia. Yep. Uh, depression can often be associated both as a leading up to dementia and also as a consequence of a diagnosis of dementia. A lot of people that provide support to people with dementia are people in the mental health field. So we work very closely. It's really a disease that crosses over many boundaries within the healthcare system. And some of our closest partners would identify themselves as working within the mental health sector. So we so can you get some of their cash? Well, <laughs> we expect that some of that uh, service that will be going towards adult mental health will be an important part. Also, good mental health. One of the other thoughts around the causality related to dementia is not really well known. But it is thought that a lifelong struggle for mental illness can predispose a person to dementia. So good mental health uh, work can affect people in later life and create uh, reduce the risk for dementia. Thank you both so much. We have to go uh, one more time before we go. The website, please. Actionfordementia.ca. Okay. People, please go there and lend your support. It is something that's very important for us all. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.